Okay, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and start us off just with a, a quick review of what we covered last week, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump into this morning's topic here. So, um, let's see, you know, last week we, uh, we really kind of set the table with, um, oops, sorry, let's hit begin. Here we go. All right. So we, we started off with a couple questions. Um, one of them was uh, the question, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And we talked about how uh, I just shared some, a story of a, a neighbor friend that I grew up with, a neighbor kid that was run over by a drunk driver in third grade, and, and how sometimes bad things happen to, to people who you would think would, would not deserve it, you know. And we could understand when bad things happen to bad people or good things to, to good people. But, um, you know, so we, we started with that question. The other thing we talked about was that, um, you know, in some ways, uh, why bad things happen to me, to you and I? You know, if we have a father who's good, who loves us and can protect us, well, then why why do these bad things happen? We talked about calling some of those uh, hurts that we experience in life, just calling them arrows, and how each one of us has different arrows that we've received from the brokenness uh, of this world. And so, um, you know, uh, I think the, again, the philosophers ask the question, if God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, then why has He let this happen to you or to me or to innocent people? And uh, they would make the case that God is either not all-loving uh, he's powerful, but he just doesn't love us enough. Or he's he's loving, but he just doesn't have the power to to act on it. And they would leave us going. Well, we got to give up one or the other. There, he can't be both of those. And and we shared the idea that maybe there's there's another uh, another way about it. Maybe God is loving and he is powerful, but that he's allowed free will to operate in this world. He's given us choice, and sometimes our choices affect other people. And now. Sure, he could take away our ability to make bad choices, but that would then kind of render us like robots. Anytime you're going to do wrong, we hit the, you know, don't make a bad choice button, or I won't, I'm not going to let you choose to do wrong button, and, and that would violate the, the freedom we have in our choices. And yet God has allowed us to have free will, and that can impact others. But I'm going to share another idea with you here. Um, we're going to pray, but, um, you know, what if God has temporarily... What if he allows suffering to occur temporarily in order to bring about a greater good? And we're going to talk about that idea, and we're going to talk about how some of this you know, flows into comforting truths that we have about Jesus and what he's done for us and what he can do for us. But I'm going to go ahead and pray one more time, and we'll just keep rolling here. Well, Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would speak to us on some of these very real and honest questions about hard things and bad things and broken things that happen to us and to our loved ones. And we just ask that you would um, give us ears to hear from you, that you would illuminate uh, your scriptures as we read them. God, that you'd speak to our heart, maybe answers we need to hear for healing, or maybe answers that we can take to others we know who are hurting. But we just ask you would um, you would speak to us, you'd make your presence known to us, you would bring your love, your forgiveness, your healing to each one of us. And, and we ask that you help us to be 
uh, vessels and messengers who could take that to others as well. But we ask for all this grace here this morning. We, we commit um, this message to you, to your use, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. One analogy that I think of about trying to answer that question of, uh, well, if God is all, how can God be all loving and all powerful and, and yet still let things happen to us? I think of a time with one of my very own daughters. Um, we've got, we've got two, uh, two of the oldest daughters here in the teen group, uh, maybe sitting in on this message here. But, you know, one time I remember taking, and I think it was Rory uh, that I took, and she was a, a cute little chubby baby. And, uh, and I took her to a friend of mine, and when I put her in this friend's uh, authority and, and in the environment with my friend, my friend ended up hurting her, and he ended up making her cry. And um, she, I was there while he was hurting her, and she was looking at me with these sad, sad eyes. And I, I loved my daughter very much as I love all my kids, and I had the power to intervene and stop this guy, and I did not. I actually put her in that situation on purpose. And it's because my friend was a doctor, and my friend was giving her her vaccination shots, and she didn't understand it, and she looked at me with tears in her eyes and just, Dad, why would you allow this person to do this to me? And I knew it was because it would bring about a greater good, that she would be immune from polio and smallpox and some of these other things. And, and I could have prevented it. But just because she didn't understand what was going on did not make me a bad father. It did not make me unloving. It did not violate my ability to protect her. Um, but she did not understand. And as she's grown up, and as many of us have grown up, um, we realize, you know, there is some value in, in, in things like that that as a child they might not understand. And yet in many ways, I'd make the case that we are like children, children of God. And things can happen to us now in this life that we don't fully understand, but that doesn't mean that God is not um, not loving or He's not powerful. It just means there are some things that, that we don't understand that He could actually use for a greater good. And one of the probably biggest examples of that that God has given us in this life is when the prophet was talking about the Christ coming into this world, the Savior, at one point the prophet Isaiah said this, he said about the Heavenly Father, that it was the Lord's will to crush His Son. It was the Lord's will to crush Him and cause Him to suffer. And he went on to say, and and because of that, He bore the sins of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. But because Jesus suffered pain that he did not deserve, it brought about a greater good. It brought about the saving of anyone who would look to Jesus as their Savior. And at the time, it looked like how could the Heavenly Father allow His Son to be crushed? How could that be in His will? And yet it was completely and totally a part of the plan that God had from the beginning to rescue us. And so we see that 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 is a possibility here. And um, you know, last week we talked about really trying to back up and see the bigger picture of, of the story that we're a part of that somehow will help make sense of the brokenness and the pain that we experience. We talked about, one, that the first truth was that God created us and this world perfectly. It's Isaiah 53. Did I put Isaiah 59? I'm sorry. Isaiah 53. Sorry. Yep, that's Isaiah 53. 10 through 12, really the whole chapter talks about this. So Isaiah 53, good, good catch there. But, um, you know, we talked about how the first truth was that God created us 
and this world perfectly for a loving relationship. Uh, he, he gave us choice. You can't have love and a loving relationship without the choice to do so. He gave us choice. He gave us a heart, a soul, a will, a mind, ways that we could have a loving relationship. He gave us an eternal facet of us that He could have a loving relationship with us forever. And yet the second point we talked about was that sin has broken this world and it's broken our relationship with God. And um, and yet it's a comforting truth because what we see, the brokenness that we see is not how it was intended to be. And that can give us perspective. We can kind of go, you know what? This is bad, this is hard, but this is not how our Father wanted it to be. Um, and so we're going to look at a couple more truths that I think will help us in, in having perspective for dealing with, with pain and hurt. Um, and, and also we're going to talk about some steps, some practical steps to pull out arrows. We talked about how hurts can be like arrows in us and we need to pull them out. And sometimes we need to help pull out arrows from others that, that maybe we put there or maybe somebody else did, but God wants us to help pull those out to find healing. And so we're going to try to cover both of those uh, this morning, these two comforting truths and, and some steps on how to pull out arrows. And so the, the truth we want to start with here this morning is, um, is this one. Let's see if I can get this to the next point here. Um, five comforting truths. So this is, the, this is the third truth we want to talk about here. But um, it is this. It's that Jesus came into this broken world and He took the punishment that our sins deserved. You know, we talked about how the devil would like us to think that God is not good, that God allows this suffering, that God causes this suffering, and it's God's fault. And we can't trust God's heart. And this morning, one of the things we're going to do is disarm that lie that the devil tells us, God did that to you. God doesn't love you. God can't protect you. Um, But the reality is, if God was not good, if God couldn't be trusted, you know, he could have very, very easily said, Hey, you sinned in my world. I got laws, and I'm going to enforce them. They're eternal laws because they're an overflow of me, and and you violated eternal laws, and so you get an eternal punishment, and you're stuck. You had a chance for a loving relationship. You blew it, and now you all must pay. You know, God could have been like that. He could have said, you know, it's, it's just that you would get what you deserve here. But He didn't. Not only that, God could have said, He could have just wiped His hands and just watched the whole thing play out from a distance and say, hey, this is going to self-destruct here and and I'm going to start over again. But what did He do instead? He came into this broken world. This world that we broke. He didn't make it broken. He made it perfectly. We broke it. And He, out of love, came into this world. And we're going to look at a couple verses related to that and pull out some, some ways that we can really find comfort from that. But one of the verses was Isaiah 53 here in verse 5 that just says that He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. By His wounds we are healed. Jesus came into this world and and He took a punishment on Himself that He did not deserve, that we deserved. And um, and another verse along that line in the New Testament, it puts it like this. Again, it's an overflow of God's love. He did it because He loved us. He wanted a loving relationship with us. If He wanted to create us just for an eternal uh, display of His righteous judgment, He could have done that, but that's not what He wanted. He wanted to have loving relationship. And so He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
And so um, we're going to look at some of the ramifications of Jesus coming into this broken world and dying for us here. Um, A couple other verses on this subject. Let's see. This one again in Isaiah 53. It's just a profound uh, prophecy of what the Christ would do for us, what He would experience. And this was several hundred years anywhere depending on uh, which scholar you're talking to, five to seven hundred years before Jesus arrived, these were things that were said about Him. It said, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. You know, it's just wild to think that when God came into the world that He created, He could have been, you know, the guy who was untouched by sin, the guy who never experienced anything, but, you know, He could sympathize with what you're, you're going through. But instead it says about Jesus, He was despised, He was rejected, He experienced sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. And in that, you know, I think there is a comfort in that He can empathize with us. You know, I think about the question of why do bad things happen to good people? Well, you know, there has been no one more good who's walked this planet than Jesus. And nothing more bad, more unjust has ever happened to a person than the one who was most unfitting to receive it. He can relate to why bad things happen to good people. He can empathize with you and I. And there's a comfort there. He can, he can say, I, I could totally relate to you being misunderstood, being wrongly punished, being unloved by those who should have loved you the most. I can relate. I know what you've been through. And, and I don't know about you, but for me there's something that deep inside me goes, that's amazing. That's, that's not a God who's distant or cruel. Or That's a God who loves me and wants to have very close relationship with me and all of my experiences. He can empathize. Um, another thing that Jesus coming to this planet did was it gave us an example of what God is really like. You know, I love when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what your heavenly Father's like? I've showed you. I've given you a taste of what your heavenly Father is really like. And there's so many verses that talk about what Jesus did while He was here. Again, if He had been a, a bad guy like Satan says, oh, you can't trust Him, He's on a power trip, or you know, whatever the, devil, the lies the devil sends to us, well, Jesus, He came and said, here's what love looks like. Loving relationship with God, loving relationship with others. He gave us an example of what it was supposed to look like. He gave us a a perfect example of what it was supposed to look like. He gave us an example of one who went around, I love this verse here in Acts, just says, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. You want to know who's causing trouble on the planet? The devil is. And he's behind the scene, but yet he's doing things, but he loved to get people to go, why did that happen? Well, God must have done that to me. And the devil's making a mess of it. And Jesus came and he set people free from the devil's work, from being uh, demonized and different things like that. He set them free. You know, if he was a bad guy who you couldn't trust, he would have been messing with people. He would have been doing things that were not cool. And yet time and time again, we see him touching the untouchable, healing a leper, raising someone from the dead while, while people were mourning the loss of a loved one. We, we got an example through Jesus of what God is really like. And, and there is a... I think that God did that on purpose so we could know, hey... The, the devil's been lying for hundreds of years now, and you need to know what I'm really like. And, and so he can empathize, and yet he gave us an example. But you know, another thing he did was that he, he gave himself as a, really as an exchange. 
You know, we've all brought brokenness into this world. We've all, as we read last week, the wages of sin is death. So anyone who's sinned has earned an eternal death sentence, and rightly so. God, God's laws are not random. They're an overflow of Himself. To violate His laws is to violate Him. We have rightly all earned His punishment. Anyone who's sinned, if you haven't sinned, you're okay. But we read last week, all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and yet in that, it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and so He... As a substitute, he, he offers His righteousness uh, as a gift to us. His forgiveness is offered as a gift to us. In exchange, we have to bring to Him our, our sinfulness, our, our brokenness. And He took that upon Himself and was punished for it. And He says, I'll take your punishment if you'll take my forgiveness, my righteousness. And there's a, an exchange that occurs there. And really, that's the heart of the Gospel. Some of the verses on that... Um, you know, I love this one, uh, Acts 10, 43 says, All the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Another place, uh, 1 Peter three eighteen, again, of the God who came into this world to rescue us. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous, which He was, for the unrighteous, like me and you. And it says, To bring you to God. Another one, uh, I think we have listed there, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that He who had no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. He took on our sin and the punishment it deserved, and He said, uh, I'll give you my righteousness. And there's an exchange that really is the heart of the Gospel, a gracious exchange that He wants for each one of us. And so we'll talk more about how our faith and how we believe and receive that gift and, and uh, you know, get that exchange to happen. But um, anyways, those are just a few facets of the comforting truth that Jesus came into this broken world. He took on the punishment that you and I deserved. We'll look at this uh, next truth here as well. Um, the next truth is that not only did Jesus come into this world, but, but Jesus overcame he came into the broken world and took on the worst that it had to offer. Sin, unjust suffering, the suffering of death, the suffering of death for others. He took it all on Himself. And it says this, uh, he, he told us this, He said, I've told you these things, um, things that were going to happen to them as well, so that in Me you'll have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, to us this morning Jesus would be saying, Hey guys, Hang in there. Persevere. Hang tough. I've overcome the world. And I'm going to help you do the same thing here, guys. Um, and that was his message to his disciples. Another place I love this about, about Jesus, it just says, Acts 2, 22, 24. Um, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus experienced death. He... he uh, yielded his life, he submitted his life even to death, and yet that couldn't keep him down. He overcame death. And, um, and there's so many things how that proves that he really was God in the flesh, the Son of God, how he has authority to forgive, and how he has power to help us overcome death. We're going to look at a few of these facets, again, of this truth and how it can comfort us. Um, let's see here. One of them is... Uh, Romans 11 just says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Number of places, it basically says, if He, you know, can raise, be raised from the dead, He can also help us through His Spirit to be raised from the dead. He can help us overcome death. Um, he can also help us overcome temptations in this life that would cause us to, to not show love to God. Things that would, where we'd be tempted to selfishness, tempted to bring brokenness into this world. And He can help us overcome that as well by the same Spirit. Um, and one of the analogies I, I like about this, I like to think about, sometimes people will say, well, philosophers will say, uh, well, I've experienced brokenness too, and, and I can empathize with you. I've been a part of a broken world, and we're all stuck here together. And, um, you know, some of them will go on to say, you're stuck, and, and, you know, just make the most of it. Or, or you're stuck, so punt on any desire to have anything better here. We're, we're all stuck. This is the human condition. God did this to us. And they will say things like that. But what Jesus did was different. You know, many people have thoughts about what happens when you die. Some say you just die and it's over and you go back to the earth. Some say you die and you get reincarnation. Some say, um, you know, this is, we're living in hell on earth right now, you know. But, but Jesus, he, he had thoughts about heaven, what it was like, what hell would be like. And yet every, everyone who's had thoughts before him, philosophers, they had their thoughts and they died, and, and Nietzsche's in his grave, and the Buddha is in his grave, and everyone, everyone got the same results. They died, and their bodies returned to the earth. And yet Jesus is the only one who died, experienced death, and, and came back from death, back into his body, and took his body to heaven. And, and it was a way of showing that Jesus had an authority, a credibility on life and death like no one else. Uh, a lot of people could say, you know, uh, the idea of the pit is, is imagine our, our life on earth and we all, we sin and there's brokenness. It's like we've all fallen into a pit. And we can all say, oh man, I'm sorry you got hurt like that. I'm sorry you're stuck here like that. We're all going to die. And um, philosophers could say the same thing to us. But Jesus, what Jesus did was um, he got out of the pit, the pit of death and sin and suffering. And Jesus overcame death. And he can say, hey, I, I can help you out too if you'd have it. I'd love to help you overcome sin. I'd love to give you eternal life. And uh, no one else can do that. No one else can help us out of it because they've all uh, been sentenced to it, to death and sin and suffering. And, and He's the only one that can help us out. And that, that's an awesome thing. That's an amazing thing. And He promises that for us, both helping us overcome death, helping us overcome sin and suffering in this life. This verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31, talks about uh, overcoming temptation. Um, another thing, though, that we can be encouraged by is that I love this verse, 1 John 5, 25, 13. We talk about it here a bit because it's extremely important. The, the Apostle J John, one of Jesus' first disciples, he said this. He said um, in his letters of John, he also said similar things in the Gospel of John. But he said, I wrote these things to you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I wrote these things to you. And what, what did he write? He wrote things to us like, Hey, guys, I saw when he died. And I interacted with him after he rose from the dead. And I was there when he gave us our final marching orders. And I want to let you know, I've, wrote, I've written these things for you so that you can know you have eternal life. Did you know that God wants you to be confident about your faith? God doesn't want you to be like, Oh, I'm one of those that has to settle with a, a blind faith. I've got a blind faith and, you know, that's just where I'm at. 
No, He wants you and I to be confident. I write these things so that you may know you have eternal life. We can have a confidence because He got a different result than everybody else. He's the only one who could speak authoritatively about the afterlife. And and we all need to know that one of our goals here at the Firehouse is to help every believer be confident in your faith. If you're not for sure that if you died tonight you'd go to heaven, we'd love to help you know through what Jesus has done how you can know for sure, how you can know you have eternal life. Not be 50-50% sure, not even... There were times before um, before I became a believer that I was maybe 90% sure I was going to heaven. But I was self-deceived in thinking that 90, my efforts were going to get me there. But I had confidence, you know. But there's a way you can know for sure. The difference between 90-something percent sure and 100% sure because you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ alone is, is a night and day difference. And our hope is that everyone here would have that confidence for your own sake and also for the, for the mission that we've been called to help others out with here. Um, lastly, you know, He is able to, to help bring healing to our lives. He, he can help us overcome sin and death, but He can also help us pull out arrows that we've suffered. And, and He can also help us take comfort to others once we've received His comfort. And many times it talks about how by His wounds... We are healed. He wants to bring us healing. He wants to bind up the brokenhearted. And really, that's, um, that's what we, uh, we all want to have, especially if we want to help others find healing. We need to make sure we've received healing as well. And so, um, let's see here. So we're going to talk about, we're just going to fly through a few steps here. You can write them down fast. We're not going to go into great detail. We're going to talk more about these at Life Group this week. But steps that we can take to remove arrows from from our lives. And, um, you know, the first step is this. We need to um, receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. You know, in some ways, uh, we talk about being hit by arrows. And some of you have had different experiences. Some of you would say, well, I didn't, uh, I didn't experience much hardship in life, and I didn't. And some of you might say, I experienced a ton of it. And, but the reality is, we've all been hit by uh, an arrow, if you will, related to sin. Anytime we've sinned, it's like you got hit by a poison arrow. Um, and, and it only takes one to bring about our death. And each one of us, depending on how many num- sins we've done, our thoughts, our actions, our speech, uh, it's like we have been hit full of poisonous arrows. And... First step to a journey of healing and life, a loving relationship with God to the fullest, is to deal with the poison of sin in our own lives. And that's where, you know, the gospel comes in here, that if you believe, anyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And I just love the idea that 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 verse, uh, Jesus talked about believing in Him and, and receiving eternal life. He quotes, it's quoted the two verses before, the story from the Old Testament where the Israelites were sinning, and because of their sin, God sent venomous, poisonous snakes into their camp. And it said that those snakes started biting, biting the people, and they started dying. The snakes were representative of their sins, that they were rebelling, and, and the sins were causing them to die. But uh, you might know the story. The solution was Moses said, well, here, here's what the Lord wants you to do. Make a, make a bronze statue of a snake, put it on a pole, and anyone who looks to that will will uh, live and they won't die like they deserved. And that's quoted in the most famous verse in the Bible. It's quoted right before that that Jesus said just as let's I'll read it to you here. Um, 
it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that anyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But that idea of they just had to simply look up to this thing and and they were spared the death that they had earned, the, the bite had you know, it was gonna bring about their deaths. But I, I wonder sometimes that thought of believing is simply a, a looking up to Jesus alone as the solution to our sin problem and our death. And uh, and he promises just simply as if we look to him just like they looked up to the bronze snake at the time, if we look to him, we'll have eternal life here. And, and so before we begin any healing process, any journey here, we need to make sure we're, we've dealt with the sins, uh, the arrows that we've been pierced with because of our own sin, the arrows that Jesus took the punishment on Himself and offers a free gift of eternal life. And so that's the first thing. We must receive His forgiveness. Now another thing we have to do as part of removing arrows and beginning healing is, and Dennis spent a whole message on this uh, two weeks ago here, but it's the idea we need to forgive others. We read a passage, Dennis had us read that passage in Matthew 18, where it's the idea that a, a master came and he forgave a servant a debt of like millions of dollars. And he said, you know, the guy asked for forgiveness, he wanted to be released, and the master said, okay, I release you from it. And then that servant went out and beat up a guy for a hundred bucks. And, and the master found out about it, and he went on and he had some really strong words. And these words were, Jesus was sharing... Uh, a picture of God's heart here related to forgiveness. But he, he said, Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know, so uh, we need to make sure if we've received the forgiveness of Jesus for millions of sins, every thought, every word, every deed that was uh, not righteous, we need to make sure we pass that forgiveness on to others. And an arrow can be, um, you know, we need to, um, you know, the way you kind of uh, pull out an arrow in that case, sometimes we, we have people that have hurt us, and we need to remove the arrow by saying, I forgive you. You shot me with this. And I forgive you because Jesus forgave me. I forgive you. Let's, let's pull that arrow out together. I, I forgive you. And, and sometimes someone who hurts you is there and they say they're sorry for what they've done. And they ask your forgiveness. And together, you know, they say, would you please forgive me? And, and you pull out an arrow and I say, you say, I forgive you. Um, and sometimes a person is not there to do that. Maybe they, they would not say that. Or maybe they're not alive anymore. And yet you and I have to say, I forgive you. Because Jesus forgave me. Because ultimately that's a sign of whether or not you and I are forgiven. He says very clearly here, um, your Heavenly Father will treat each of you this way if you don't forgive others. You, you will, you'll basically not be forgiven if you're not forgiving others. And that, that's something that um, we need to make sure we've said, I forgive you to those who've hurt us. Especially if we would say, uh, I receive your forgiveness, Jesus. There's no one who would owe us more than we owed him, you know, not even close. And so we have to be able to forgive others. Um, another thing is we need to seek forgiveness. Maybe we've hurt others. Maybe we've put arrows into their lives by, by the way we related, the way we spoke, the way, you know, 
something that we did to someone else. And, and he says at one point here, um, Matthew 5.23, if, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. But if you want life to the fullest, life that God has for you, a loving relationship with Him and others, you've got to make sure that, that you've pulled out arrows that you might have put into, into others. You know, I shared some things last week of how my parents had done some things to me that um, I, I felt like were not right, they were not just, they were not fair. And yet, you know, I did some things to my parents that were not honoring and were not respectful. And I remember when I went through this process of seeking forgiveness or granting forgiveness that I also sought forgiveness. And, and there were things that I specifically remember. There were things that my parents shared with me And I go, yeah, I remember doing that too. That was so wrong. And would you forgive me? And there's a way that we can pull arrows out of others. And, and, you know, that's part of the healing process, the words, I forgive you. And and that's something that we need to make sure we're helping each other do here. Another thing that we can do to pull out arrows and to find healing is to to make peace and make amends where possible. Um, Proverbs 14, 9 here says, Fools mock at making amends for sin. But goodwill is found among the upright. Uh, another one, the verse there, Romans uh, twelve eighteen, just says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so if we want healing um, and want to live the life that God has for us, we need to make sure we pursue peace with others. Maybe we've said the obligatory, I forgive you, or uh, will you forgive me? But... There's unreconciled relationships. There's not peace out there. And uh, we need to make sure where possible that we, we make amends. Some cases you can't make amends. Some cases there's a relationship that is not healthy to revisit or, or someone is not around to, to make restoration. But where we can, we need to. I remember uh, how, how I short, shared last week just um, the story of meeting my uh, 21-year-old daughter for the first time and, and knowing them. When I had become a Christian, I knew I, I needed to go back and revisit and just try to find out, am, am I a dad here or am I not? And if so, what responsibility can I take? That was eight years after, you know, when things had happened. And I wrote a letter and just said, i become a Christian and I want to seek your forgiveness for the way I related. I wrote my prom date and I wrote her mom and I sought forgiveness to both of them, how I disrespected the one's authority and trust and how I was selfish with the other. And, and I did not know my responsibility, but I said, you know, I want to find out. I, I want to know. I want to do what I can. And I, I remember working with my pastors to write a letter to just take responsibility and give my phone number, my address, everything that I could. And I remember sending it certified mail. And I remember the mom signed for it. And... Um, and yet, I, I was not sure. I'd heard there had been an adoption and other things, and so I didn't know what I could do. And, but I got a signature and uh, never heard anything else about it. But I felt like as far as I could, I tried to pursue it. With adoptions, you know, there's closed things where you can't pursue and, and other things like that. But eventually, my daughter pursued me. And, um, and, but the point in all of that is, as much as it depends on you, we need to live at peace with everyone and, and make amends where we can. And, and that's still an ongoing journey. And I think there's things God has even just brought to light that I can do to pursue that even more at this point now that I, I've met her and, and uh, know how to get in touch with her parents and things like that. So, uh, But anyways, if we want healing, we need to 
we need to do this as well. Another thing we need to do is just renew our minds with God's truth. We talked about how every hurt that we've experienced, every hurt that we've caused, the devil's whispering things. He's whispering things like, you deserve that. Or you're damaged goods. Or you can't trust God. Or you can't trust man. Or you can't trust authorities. And he's whispered lies into all of us for years. And you and I need to be actively replacing those lies with God's truth. Just like this verse here, Romans 12, 2, just says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, this world would have us believe things about ourselves that aren't true. This world would have us believe things about God that aren't true. And the only way to combat that is to replace the lies of the devil and this world with the truth of God. And that says it will transform us. One translation says it will... Uh, it'll make you a new person by changing the way you think. And so we need to make sure we're helping each other renew our minds with what God says is true about us, about others, and about Himself. You know, lastly, as, as far as um, pulling arrows out and helping each other pull arrows out, we, we need to get help to do this. We need to do this together, but not just with anyone's help. I think maybe someone giving us perspective is better than no one, but sometimes we'll have friends that say, you know, oh, you know, boy, they, they deserve payback. You forgive them, that's a great idea, but just don't forget, you know, and people will tell us things that aren't what Jesus would have us do. We need to make sure we have people in our lives who are mature, who follow Jesus, who are spirit-filled, and can give us the advice that He would have us when it comes to dealing with forgiving others and for seeking forgiveness and that whole journey. And that's really what we're trying to do together on Wednesday nights is to help each other. Well, you know, and as a pastor, I'd love to make myself available to help you if there's things you think about in your world. I know I was blessed to have the help of my pastors to write a letter and to try to find out what I could and take responsibility. And I'd be glad to help with that. Again, I know Dennis is glad to help as well to help see what steps and what verses in the Bible would apply to to pulling out arrows and experience life to the fullest here. So we're going to go ahead and pray and close here. Next week we're going to talk about the, the fifth comforting truth that we have and it relates relates to heaven. And so I'm uh, looking forward to talking about that. But let's go ahead and pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you uh, again for this morning. We thank you that you created each one of us for a loving relationship with you, that you wanted to have a one, of, one of me and one of each one of us here. And thank you that you gave each one of us a heart and a soul and a mind. We could do that with emotionally and passionately. We could do that thoughtfully. We could do that um, with our choices um, personally. And we, we just thank you for that. Thank you that you wanted each one of us. Thank you. Um, Lord, that even though we sin and broke our relationship with you, you came after us out of love to restore that relationship. Jesus, we thank you that you took our sins upon your cross and you offer us your forgiveness and righteousness and eternal life if we would believe and receive that from you. And and Lord, we thank you that not only did you take that on the cross and pay for it, you gave us proof. We can be confident about it and we we can know that you are able to help us. And and so... um, And Lord, we we ask that you would help us on this journey of healing. Help us on the journey of of taking your comfort and this good news to others. But Lord, we just thank you for getting to talk about this and think about this. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, to remove arrows that we need to um, this week and help each other out in that. But we thank you for this journey you've led us on as a church, as a church family here. And and we look to you to bind up the brokenhearted. We, We look to you for healing and comfort 
and your love, Father. And we, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. Hopefully we'll catch you, if not Wednesday night, we'll catch you next Sunday right here. So have a great rest of your day.